0: The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of May is my friends over at Banner of Truth Trust. The Banner of Truth Trust is a Christian organization which publishes books, organizes conferences, and publishes a monthly magazine. Their objective is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. They seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for the ministry. While the Banner is most well-known for the promotion of the best Christian literature from the past and the present, men in the ministry should know about their ministers' conference, one held in Pennsylvania at the end of May and the other near L.A. in the middle of October. The Banner hosts simple conferences focused on the preaching of the Word, prayer, fellowship, and, of course, heavenly, discounted Banner of Truth Trust books. Learn more about their books and conferences at thebanneroftruth.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at Shepherd'sCrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Creek Podcast. It is a great joy of mine today to be able to interview Matthew Robinson of Media Gratier. And it's just, I've been following this guy's work for several years. It's just going to be great talking with him today. So Matthew, how you doing down there in Mississippi today, man? You doing well? Man, I'm sitting in the
1: sunshine, enjoying life. Um, it, it, we're in a busy season of life. Uh, doing a lot of projects and still going to conferences. We're Getting ready to leave for the Founders Conference in Louisville about 8:30 PM nice. tonight. But um, it's uh, there's a lot going on. But as Steve Lawson once said, you know it's like drowning in chocolate. It's all
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And you're in the uh, fancy studio today. That is a minivan. Is that correct?
1: That's right. I'm in the yeah. mo- the Media Gratier Mobile Command Unit, which is my family's <laughs> town and country.
0: Uh, mobile Mobile Command Unit. I love it. Well, let's pray, and then it'll, it's going to be a lot of fun just asking you some questions. So, Father, we just thank you for just a, uh, a shared faith in the authority of the word and the fact that you have spoken. And we just thank you for this opportunity we have to talk about you, your grace, your mercy, ministry, a pastoral ministry, uh, uh, the work that Math- Matthew gets to do through Media Gratiae. And it's just, uh, it's just a joy to have this conversation. Lead it. I trust that you will. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, for those who may not be familiar with you could you just tell us about yourself uh, your family and a little bit about a little bit about your work
1: sure yeah so I'm Matthew Robinson 42 years old I've uh, been married for 17 years now to Megan uh, we live here as I said in New Albany Mississippi which is kind of between Tupelo Mississippi and Memphis Tennessee up in the northeast corner in the hill country and uh, we have uh, uh, we have teenagers all the way down to a four-year-old. So we're uh, not only are we pro-life, but we're prolific, and the Lord's been very kind to us.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. Okay, tell us. Uh, 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 t- tell us when, when you were converted, and love to hear that story. I heard a little bit about it, and it kind of intrigued me before we started recording. So tell tell us about when you were converted.
1: Sure. Well, I, it's, uh, I should say you know that I grew up in the Presbyterian Church of America, uh, PCA, conservative PCA church here that was. Uh, pastored by one of the first graduates from rts Reformed theological seminary which is you know started here in jackson mississippi uh so very very good church was very blessed by the lord to be raised and catechized and taught you know theology biblical theology uh calvinism was never um a controversial thing i just thought everybody believed that stuff you know so mm. um but i was also uh uh, just a, a bad kid. And, you know, I don't know, I don't mean to make light of it, uh, but I don't know any other way to say it. From from a young age, I set my heart to uh, pursue the world, which was very far out of reach for me um, as a Christian school educated and church kid. Hmm. But, um, you know, when you set your heart to pursue a thing, you know, you can be successful at it. And so I, I kind of, uh, lived very far outside of societal norms for the first thirty-something years of my life. Uh, opened a skateboard shop right out of high school. Uh, lived in a warehouse with a bunch of skateboard ramps, and you know, had punk rock shows to pay the, the rent and eat some Taco Bell. And you know, it sounds a lot more glamorous than it actually was. Because <laughs> was the, um, that sounds like the life,
0: man. I tell you.
1: Well, in some ways, that's the American dream, isn't it? But you know, without Christ it's, it's ultimately empty. And so, uh, coming, coming to find that, Hey, no matter how much of what I want, I have, it's still misery and there's Mm. still, you know, just such an emptiness to it. Uh, the Lord continued to draw me back to himself. And so, you know, I'll have to skip over a good bit of, of the story, but what wound up happening is I Uh, I I thought that I was a Christian because I had been raised a Christian. I thought I just was starting to do Christian stuff again. I started getting my kids and family back in church and, um, you know, hanging around Christian folks and started coming to Christ Church New Albany, uh, where we are members now, and um, I was, it was in the middle of a three-year series on the character of God that the pastor here, Dr. John Snyder, the main pastor for preaching was going through and uh coincidentally it wound up becoming the material that the behold your god rethinking god biblically study wonderful is based out of but he was he was teaching through the character of god and uh not that i had never heard it before but i had never heard it before and so the lord started to really do what the old writers called a law work in me and um you know show me my show me who god is Uh, In his word, show me myself uh, in the law and my own failures and then point me to Christ and his goodness and the gospel.
0: Mm.
1: And, um, you know, essentially already understood the mechanics of, you know, double imputation. I know how it works, but how do you come to possess the reality of it? And, uh, well, you call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. And so the Lord drew me to himself Uh. uh, somewhere around 30, 31 years old.
0: Wow. That's wonderful. I love that hearing of God's grace in a person's life. It really—it's it's just refreshing. It never gets old, you know. Yeah, <laughs> never, we're not Chinese, never, you know. It never pro, gets old. Uh, products, that, right? That roll off
1: of a factory. <laughs> you know, the Lord deals with each of us individually, hmm. and it's just so so amazing. You know, we do. We certainly don't need to try to, uh, you know, imitate uh, conversion stories that we've heard uh, because they're as wide and as varied as as they can be. But they all do. Uh, sort of come together at one point, I came to an end of myself, and I called on the name of the Lord, and He was merciful to me, and He answered.
0: That's that's so great. Um, Okay, so now you're converted. Somehow or another, over the years now, and this is kind of fast-forwarding quite a bit, and um, you're making films. How in the world did you get into making films? (laughs) How did that happen?
1: Well, I, you know, I was a little bit familiar with video and that kind of thing. I mentioned skateboarding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the way, the way that you sort of document what you do is by doing skateboarded videos, that, you know, your video and your friends. And so I knew a little the basics of how to edit video and, <clears throat> and doing zines, which is, you know, pre-internet, if you wanted to know what was going on in the, in the skate scene up the road you know, you would go there and obviously meet people, but you know, there may be little like Xerox magazines where people are literally copying and pasting and cutting Mm. and pasting photos. So, you know, had a background in that kind of DIY approach. Um, I got a job on my way to, I thought going to seminary, um, which is, you know, we said we've, we've fast forwarded over a lot. Um, felt a call to make christ known you know just an overwhelming desire to having come to you know know christ to a desire to make him known mm-hmm. and uh and and started to pray that the lord would maybe use the gifts that he'd given me in in the arts uh scene or whatever to to do that so um i i thought that that would be going to seminary and so did my elders here at the church so Got a job with a Christian organization in Tupelo, Mississippi uh, called the American Family Association, okay. um, yeah. which is very um, kind of uh, more political and cultural uh, stuff, you know, boycott people that don't right. say Merry Christmas and, and other like really good things as well. Um, at, went to work there as a graphic artist because they were going to make some time for me to uh, do some seminary classes as well. Uh, So some great Christian people who work there in that ministry Um, and one of the opportunities that came uh, my boss asked me to do a video-based Bible study series uh, with my pastor who he had heard and was impressed with uh, on who is God Hmm. and so we put together a plan like if we could do anything that we wanted to do what would we do well we would want to introduce people who are sort of in that middle american evangelical demographic to the character of god and we would want to introduce them to some people from christian history so that we could show look we're not making this stuff up as we yeah. go along you know there's an orthodoxy here and then we would want to introduce them to some contemporary men guys who we know, you know, friends like Richard Owen Roberts and Paul Washer and guys from over in the UK, um, and then folks back here, Anthony Mathenia and Jordan Thomas and others. And so we sort of brought all those elements together, presented what we would do. And they said, great, go for it. So, uh, breaking out that old DIY spirit, I Googled, how do you make a video based Bible study? (laughs) And, uh, And we figured it out, you know, and and threw together a study. It's a 12-week multimedia study called the Behold Your God, Rethinking God Biblically Study. So 13 uh, video sessions um, with church history and all the things that I just mentioned on the character of God. We put that out. That did really well um, for the ministry there. And uh, through that, I got connected with guys at the Banner of Truth and Reformation Heritage Books uh, Desiring God, Bethlehem College and Seminary, uh, Ligonier, you know, all the way across the board of sort of like-minded organizations, and um, it just made sense for us to start to work with other organizations as mm-hmm. an independent nonprofit, and so that transition happened in 2015, so we're now just a very small uh, independent nonprofit, you know, ministry um, with, that, that's actually operated out of my garage well um we have uh we have three full-time employees at the moment which is huge because that just happened in the last year but um some of these guys you you would know Stephen mccaskill uh who did the luther film and through the eyes of spurgeon yeah that's
0: Uh, great
1: Stephen and i have worked together ever since uh did a film called logic on fire back in 2014 and he's just a dear friend and he actually just moved his family down here from canada uh, to mississippi to work with us and then ac floyd is our um office manager he's a recent rts grad uh, looking for a pastorate at the moment so if any of you guys hmm, out yeah. there listening know of a good pastorate you can get in touch with us here at media Gratier. and teddy james who was a transport over from uh from afa who's a content producer for us now so very small organization and we we make christian media
0: well i'm, I'm going to make sure and put show notes uh, put in the show notes links to all this stuff. And we have, as a church, we've gone years ago, went through, uh, I think maybe four or five years ago, went through Behold Your God. And then the way I actually got to know the ministry of Media Gratier was the Logic on Fire film. Because I think whenever that was, it was kind of right at the same time. The Behold Your God we found we found out about. And then the, when, right ever when the Logic on Fire, you said 2014. Yeah, and, 2015 it came out. Okay, 2015 it came out. But uh, for those who have not, got anything from media gratia you need to make sure and check out their site get their stuff buy their films um it's just really really great stuff okay i I want to appreciate that yeah absolutely and i want to come back to history i got a question about why pastors should know church history but i want to kind of bring a storyline together here now you also have been served as an elder at a local church and so i would love for you to tell before we talk about how these things kind of collided a little bit, I want you to tell the story about your kind of internal call. You told a little bit about going to seminary, but this internal call into just caring about God's people, and then into what that external process was of, of being affirmed as a pastor at a local church in a, this, of, a, of a plurality of elders. As you said, as an elder, tell us about the internal process of feeling that desire and then that external process of walking into being an elder. And then after we hear that, I want to hear about how these two things kind of collided with media gratia and, and then trying to make the decision on what to do based on time constraints and, and all of those sorts of things. So tell us about the process of becoming an elder at Christchurch.
1: Sure. Well, at post-conversion, you know, meeting with my uh, pastors a good bit, talking through these things that are, uh, you know, that are so amazing and, you know, they're pressing into every area of my life um, and and having this intense desire to make these things known, not to just know these things and to know Christ, but to make Him known. Hmm. Um, and, you there's certainly no uh, no lack of need, uh, even in our area here in the Bible Belt, you know, for the gospel to be preached. Um, so, uh, you know, it, how do you how do you sense a call? Is that even a thing? You know, mm-hmm. so that's something that I was trying to work through. And typically, if something is true, um, you can go back and read. Uh, what was written 2000 years ago in the scriptures and mm-hmm. then a few hundred years after that and then maybe a few hundred years after that and then a few hundred years after that and you can read some contemporary guys and there should be a thread of truth that sort of runs through denominational lines and you know other things and so as I'm trying to trace through what does that even look like how do you you know is there such a thing as a call to ministry or is it just like being a fireman you just I want to be that when I grow up hmm. Um uh, and I was also talking with my uh, pastors about it. You know, what, is, what does that look like? And so reading uh, lectures to my students and you know, reading other books like that, uh, there seemed to be a few different elements. There would be in this internal desire. If any man has a desire,
0: right? yep. it's
1: a good thing. right. And so, but that desire would also be matched with some giftings because mm-hmm. Christ is the one who gives gifts and I think giftings to his church. Uh, and those giftings would then be recognized by the by your elders and by the the people who put your elders in the office that they hold the congregation there, and so uh, that started a long process of uh, you know being trained by the local church here. I did mention uh, a desire to go to seminary, but that never manifested because okay. Medi- media gratia uh, wound up becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we, um, you know, we are uh, a fairly, we do a lot of travel. We do a lot of, um, you know, work. And so seminary time to go to seminary just never presented itself. Or I would say this hasn't yet presented itself. It's still something that I dream about. Like one day I'll, you know, take, take classes or whatever, but we'll see. So, uh, as, um, as, as I'm focusing on me Gratier and I'm working with the local pastors here, um, they're giving me training, uh, they're giving me opportunities to teach classes, then they start to give me opportunities to preach. Um, and after several years, the, the church uh, called me to be an elder here. And so that uh, started in 2015. Okay. And then... Um, And then in about 2018, just last year, um, you know, I'm looking at my own time schedule. Um, I'm realizing that, you know, one of my accomplishments or, you know, personal life uh, since becoming an elder here is being a Platinum Medallion Delta member, um, which is not much of a of an accomplishment when, you know, your desire is to love and be with the local church yeah. and you're out on airplanes so much that, you know, you're, you're, you're rocking some pretty good, uh, frequent flyer mile status. So then, you know, there are sort of three main pillars. Uh, I don't really, I skateboard still, you know, but I, I can't really say that I do it enough to call it, you know, a hobby. It's not like every Saturday I'm like, okay, kids, bye, I'm going to skate park. <laughs> right.
0: Know? Four so hours later.
1: Night, yeah yeah um so you know i don't have a lot of room in my life for hobbies i have a lot of room in my work for uh, work and church and family and unfortunately it often would be in that order mm-hmm. um you know i was telling you earlier when you are in ministry and you do have certain requirements so for instance we go through Keach's catechism here uh each week on sunday mornings as part of the Part of the Lord's Day worship, and my one of my functions was every Sunday that I would stand up and I would sort of give uh, biblical support and teach through the Catechism for you know five ten minutes every morning. And uh, if I'm working nonstop Monday through Saturday, then a lot of times you know Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, you know it's it's easier to say sorry, kids, or sorry, honey. You know I've got to go focus on studying now. It's easier to say that than it is to stand up in front of a whole church and say, Hey, I appreciate everybody getting dressed up today and coming here, but I just don't really have anything to say because I needed to spend time with my family yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm. So I was feeling the pressure
1: of that, and, um, and that's not a good thing. And so talking through that pressure with my other elders and with my wife, and um, you know, I came to realize that you know, I can continue to try to juggle this, but there's a real danger that I could I could ultimately disqualify myself from being uh, able to be an elder by mm-hmm. not managing my household well, and so you know it's it's been pretty clear. Well, God doesn't need me to preach His word; He doesn't need me in to you know to do anything really. Um, but in the situation that we're in here, we do have other elders who are capable men who are preaching and teaching and. And pastoring, um, nobody else has been entrusted with the work of of uh, directing Media gratier. Mm-hmm. and so that falls into my lap. And I'm not really at a freedom to say, "Well, no thanks, Lord. I'd really rather you know do this. I want to teach and, and counsel and and, and preach." Yeah. Uh, and certainly, nobody else has been entrusted with my family. And so, um, you know, it was it was a, a decision to step out of that role here, and to just go back to being a good church member, hmm. which, you know, every every elder uh, should be a really good church member, you yeah. know, who, who's doing the work of an elder, and I think that, you know, what the church communicated to me years ago was, look, we're calling you to do this because you're already doing these things, Yeah, so... You know, I, I think I would just encourage anybody who's listening who may feel that pressure of, ah, oh, you know, I, I want to be doing all of these things. I want to be doing it for the Lord. Well, God's will is never uh, contrary to itself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, don't feel like you um, are are in a situation where faithfulness to the Lord requires you to be unfaithful to your family or unfaithful to the work that He's given you to do. Um,
0: man, that's good. Hopefully
1: hopefully that's an encouragement to people out there.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is because, and I think that why I appreciate your, uh, you know, what you're sharing is, you know, it's okay. For instance, I love Lloyd Jones, Martin Lloyd Jones, 2000 year was the year of, of Martin Lloyd Jones for me, where God really changed some trajectories in me in a, in a really good way. And, I know the Media gratier guys and yourself. You guys love Lloyd Jones, and um, I've got on my shelf a book that you sent me years ago, uh, which is was a hymnal from Westminster Chapel. Yeah. <clears throat> and I and I heard that they were in a closet about to be thrown away. Is that correct?
1: That is, very well, I don't know if they would have ever found
0: them. When I okay. was in there, I was kind of like Nicolas Cage in that movie <laughs> where he steals the Declaration
1: of Independence. And I was like <laughs> going through every closet and I just oh, found this stack of huge, you know, uh, hymnals. Oh. So it's a Welsh hymnal uh, in English, if that makes any sense, uh, that, uh, are, are, that we actually use here in our church. And they apparently... Used to use. Okay. I think they're they're a little they're much more of a quote American church now there at Westminster Chapel okay. than than probably we are even. But um, anyhow, we, yes, I found a, a huge stack of those and was able to buy them from the church. They didn't know they existed, but they were happy to sell them to me for a pound a piece.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I you know I say all that to say man, I love Lloyd Jones. Love that story too because I I reap the benefits from that with on my shelf in here, but. Uh, One of the things, and and, uh, the doctor was this way, that if you disagree with him, he challenges you, and he's always opinionated. He says what he thinks, and he he ties it to the scriptures. And one of the things that he had said about preaching from the book Preaching and Preachers, I was taking our our elders through that, um, taking one of our elders through that, and uh, he said in there that... um, Let me find the quote. I have it right. I thought I had it right here. But he talks about um, the work of preaching is the highest and greatest and most glorious calling with which anyone can ever be called. And I began to think about that, and it sounded right. Okay, it sounded true. But one of the things I would love to ask him is that there are prerequisites in the scriptures to this great and noble calling. And if the aspiration to ministry you just mentioned it, this internal call, if anyone aspires to the office of elder he overseer, he desires a noble task. So there is great nobility, you know, in the calling of being an elder. But then there are prerequisites of that. Of, of and, and I started wrestling through this about calling. And I love your story is that you don't first see yourself as I am a elder. I am a fundamental identity of who I am is an elder. I have to be an elder because it sounds like you you recognize. Okay, before that, I before I'm a elder or a teacher on Sunday mornings, I'm a Christian man. I'm the Lord's, and I'm a husband and I'm a father, and those take precedent and they're prerequisites to being this preacher. And so, for you, when you stepped out of being an elder, were you okay? Did it feel like it was internally this wrestle of am I? Am I somehow violating this calling or something like that? Or just how are you doing now that you're not in pastoral ministry?
1: Sure. Well, it would would give the wrong impression to say I'm okay in the sense that, like, oh, man, you know, it was just like just walking on sunshine, you know. Mm. It was the easiest thing. didn't even have to think about it. Right. Um, Anybody who is in that situation and who loves the church and loves Christ and loves the local manifestation of his body, You're going to struggle to say, oh, but I just, uh, you know, I I want to do this so Mm -hmm. badly. But you hit on it. Um, If you can't sweep and mop the floors of, you know, the local McDonald's to the glory of God and realize that your identity is not in what you do. Your Mm -hmm. identity is in Christ. Then you don't you don't really need to be in the ministry because you're making an idol of the ministry. Mm. You know your identity is in what you do, and yeah. even if that is a great, high and holy calling, um, Christ will not have any competitors, and that's mm. actually a very dangerous place. Um, so yeah. you know that's. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that it's not easy, but Mm -hmm. it is. It's over and over and over and over again in life. I think we're going to be given opportunities to really show that Christ is precious to us, Mm, and that He is the. I mean, He is our identity. We we are in Christ, and so this is just another. This is an opportunity for that, and it's an opportunity for Him to show Himself to be faithful, and for Him to show Himself to be sufficient. Um, you know, I could easily fall back in and say, well, yeah, but now I'm, you know, I'm the director of Edie Gratier and I'm making films and doing Bible studies and that's my identity. But yeah, that can't be my identity either. Yeah. Um, my identity is in Christ.
0: That's good. That's good. Well, I want to end with a couple questions for pastors. You spend a lot of time with pastors at conferences, thinking through how to equip pastors to train up, uh, you know, their local churches and, um, why do, and, and you spend a lot of time in church history just thinking and, and, and reading and, and trying to, you know, kind of mine historical resources and put them up in front of people. Why is church history so important for pastors and local churches?
1: Yeah, it's, I think you could just simply say that it's, it's the height of arrogance to say that you don't need to know about the work of God in his church through the Holy Spirit. For the last two thousand years, um, that just you and you know your opinions about the Bible, y'all you'll just work out every single issue that, that presents itself. Um, the reality is that you will not; that you'll repeat mistakes that have been uh, they've been worked through. Uh, other good men have made bad choices mm. in the past uh, when presented with the very thing that you're being presented with right now. And you can learn from that and you can avoid and save uh, not only yourself, but you can save the people that Christ has given you to shepherd uh, decades of the wrong approach, Mm. uh, decades of the wrong way to handle a certain situation just by uh, humbling yourself uh, to to say, "Okay, Lord, how have you worked in your church for the last 2000 years and to familiarize yourself with that? Mm.
0: Yeah, that's good. We're, we're doing a giveaway with Banner of Truth right now, which is the Lloyd-Jones Roman set, hmm. and just wanting to drive people into resources from the past that would be so helpful. And that's one of the reasons I love Media Gratier, is your, your commitment to doing that, and I just so appreciate it. Thank you so much. We have a
1: great relationship with the two, with Banner of Truth and Reformation Heritage Books, so two who republish a lot of historical works and obviously print new works as well. And it's because one of our, we recognize one of our functions as multimedia guys. We want to be an on-ramp for people who are not reading the Puritans. They're not reading the Reformers. They're Mm. not maybe even reading the good living guys. We want to be a a multimedia on-ramp to bring people uh, into that world. And we've seen fruit from that when people go through the Behold Your God study and they go, I've never heard of Samuel Rutherford before, but then I bought his letters or I bought, you know, this book or that thing and um, just, you know, and then that, that process happens. Yeah. So many of us have gone through. You 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 start to read one guy, and he mentions another guy, and then you go look up that guy, and he's even better than the other guy. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah so. that's that's good. The rabbit hole keeps keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And just yeah, that's good. Uh, okay. Why do you know this this The Shepherd's Crook. I, I want to help pastors and remind them of of Jesus and. Uh, there's a really great passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul just tells Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. R- risen from the dead, as preached by my gospel. Uh, and it's just this simple thing of a pastor reminding another pastor about Jesus. And one of the things I want to do is just care for pastors and continue to call them to to back to Christ. Because one of the reasons I see so many pastors that are not starting and finishing well. They're just not getting to the finish line. They're burning out. And it's it happens at a... Public level, you know, through the Twitter Twitterverse and through big name celebrities, but it happens locally. You know, I know only one pastor locally in, in our area that has finished ministry well, and I, I don't get it. I really don't. I think there are certainly pressures that I've experienced being in pastoral ministry now for a, over a decade. But from your perspective, why are, why are there so many pastors that burn out?
1: Yeah. Well, I can't speak with a lot of authority on this as a 42-year-old who, who only served you know, for, for a few years in that role. But I can, I can speak as a, as a believer, and, and I can say that it, it, it must be, to some degree, uh, taking our eyes off the Lord Jesus. Um, people will disappoint you. Um, some of the people that are your greatest joy in ministry— may wind up being your greatest heartbreak. Hmm. Um, Taking ground, you know, doing work in a church, trying to bring a church from sort of being in a a vacuous, atheological, you know, kind of American evangelical place to confessional fidelity and historic orthodoxy and, you know, uh, Reformed ecclesiology, etc., uh, those things ultimately will not save a church or preserve a church. And those things ultimately won't uh, give you what you need when you uh, feel like dying mm. because uh, because of the pain and the uh, sorrow that pastoring and caring for souls in a broken world will bring you. Only one thing will, and it's not a thing at all. He's a person. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, It's amazing to think we live in a day when there is a great uh, sort of shift from uh, American sort of evangelical, uh, atheological world to uh, a a historic Reformed orthodoxy, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing, and I praise God for it, but we need to recognize that there have been Reformed denominations uh, on the planet since the Reformation, and uh, you know the PCUSA is is uh, ordaining you know women uh, and ordaining women who are quote married to other women and if yeah. you had told my great grandparents who were you know Southern Presbyterian uh, Christians that this is going to happen in your denomination one day they'd say I'm sure they would have said there's no way we mm-hmm. have the Bible we have our confession we have our historic documents but um, you know and it, and I'd even add that it's it's easy and maybe even, what's the right word, it may even be symptomatic that when a person uh, starts to take their eyes off of Christ and the joy of just knowing your sins forgiven and mm-hmm. the joy of walking with the Lord Jesus with no argument between you, you know, no unrepented sin that you just say, look, Lord, you, you can't come in that room. That room over there is locked. Okay, the rest right. of the house is yours, but... So it's, it's easy when you're in that place to become very uh, strong and tight on, on your favorite doctrines yeah. that are good and true and right. Okay, so uh, those, those things are just good warnings to us. We can care a lot about Reformation and we can care a lot about Orthodoxy and we can care a lot about Ecclesiology and we can keep the Lord at arm's length where we think it's safe. And that's just... That is a path toward not finishing well in the ministry. Yeah. So you know, I would just I would just say keep keep close to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. The two things are certainly not mutually exclusive. We need to be historically orthodox. We need to care about ecclesiology. We need to you know I believe personally we need to be uh, locked down to our confessional standards, but we need to do that as we walk with the Lord Jesus and not as a replacement for him.
0: So good. That's uh, incredibly helpful. So why don't we finish by you telling us about uh, where we can find all the Media Gratier stuff and any pitch that you want to give for what you're doing. And if you're, by the way, you mentioned earlier that he's going to be in Louisville this weekend. If you're going to be at the uh, Founders Conference in Louisville, make sure to stop by the Media Gratier booth. But tell us uh, tell us where we can find more information about you guys.
1: Sure. Well, if you want, uh, if you want a recipe for perpetual obscurity, just name your organization some weird Latin
0: phrase
1: <laughs> yeah, and tell, yeah, people, tell right. people to go to your website. You know? <laughs> what was <laughs> and that again? MediaGratia <laughs> So that's a, that's first of all, MediaGratia is a Latin phrase for the means of grace, and uh, it's spelled media m e d i a and then gratia g r a t i a e dot org. Uh, trying to make use of lots of vowels there, but recognizing how hard that is to tell people. We also have the means of org. Okay. And if you go to themeansofgrace.org, that'll, that'll point you straight to mediagratia.org. Um, we are finishing up a film with Reformation Heritage books uh, on the Puritans, which is called Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God, and we expect that to come out in June. We are in the pre-production phase of a film and multimedia Bible study uh, on the church, which is... Uh, We just kind of call it The Church Project, but the film is, the working title is The Church, The Pillar and Ground of the Truth, and the book is The Church, Her Nature, Authority, Purpose, and Worship. Uh, Both of these are together with a fellow called Jeffrey Johnson, who is a pastor up in Conway, Arkansas, and an author, and the guy who has uh, Free Grace Press um these are these are based around a book that he wrote several years ago called the church why bother which is a book on biblical ecclesiology and the high view of the church so um you know a lot of what we've been doing with media Gratier for a long time is saying we need to have a high view of god we need to have a high view of god and every if we have a high view of god everything else will fall into place and this is coming along to now say yes we need to have a high view of God, and we need to recognize that God has a high view of his church, and he has told us uh, how, he, how he sees that we should uh, worship him, mm-hmm. and we need to take that seriously, and so this is a, a film... Uh, that sort of traces, you could say, historical ecclesiology, the development of the doctrine of the Church from the time of Christ and the Apostles through the Fathers and the medieval period and the Reformation and the sort of period of the Puritans and the Confessions even up till, till today. And then there's a 12-week multimedia study with video sessions and a workbook that will sort of take you through the doctrine that's taught in the film We expect that. We're filming that in
0: June. Okay. Uh,
1: You can see a little video about that uh, at Mediagratia.org. And uh, we expect that to come out in January. And the last thing I'll say is we also do a weekly free podcast uh, with Dr. John Snyder called the Behold Your God podcast, where we really take the subject matter and the issues that we talk about in the Behold Your God study and talk about those at length. Uh, We just finished an 11-part series on what does biblical evangelism look like? And I uh, would really commend that to you as well, not because of my contribution to it, but because I think uh, Dr. Snyder has some, uh, some, some needful perspective on
0: those things. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for the time and, and uh, coming on the show today. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Jared, thanks, man. It's, it's a real joy to know you and to get to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely.